Sometimes jokes can be no laughing matter. Conan O'Brien is not laughing over a $1 million lawsuit claiming he stole jokes for a monologue from a professional joke writer's blog and Twitter feed. O'Brien and his staff have denied any theft. But a judge has ruled that O'Brien will have to go to trial over the allegations that he and his staff stole jokes about Caitlyn Jenner, Tom Brady, and the Washington Monument from Robert Alex Kasberg. Our guest is prominent intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, a partner at Catton Muchen Rosenman. Terry, I haven't heard much about copyright trials over jokes. Are they unusual? Very unusual, June. You know, this sort of uh, comedy theft has been going on since at least the turn of the century during vaudeville times. Wikipedia even has an entire page dedicated to joke thefts. But during a period of time, say the late 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the comedy business sort of developed a self-regulatory scheme. If a comedian thought that his or her joke was being stolen and used by another comedian, they'd simply tell everybody in the industry that that was going on. And all of a sudden, those accused joke thieves would find themselves not being booked at the nightclubs and key venues around the country. Now, as stand-up comedy sort of expanded onto cable and became a really big moneymaker in the 80s, we saw a resurgence of joke thieves and joke thefts, and suddenly people taking the problem much more seriously. And, of course, it saved a lot of, a lot of money in court costs not to have to uh, go to court about it. But the judge in this case said the jokes were entitled to thin copyright protection. What does that mean? Well, we have a, um, as part of our copyright system, this, this concept that uh, certain expressions, facts, you know, the sun rises in the east, for example, um, cannot be copyrighted, or they have very thin copyright protection so that you have to take the exact expression of the idea. And so the judge was suggesting um, in her decision allowing this case to go to trial against uh, Conan uh, that um, the jokes had to really be very close to each other, that the joke be uh, as written by the plaintiff and then as used on the television show, Conan, had to be virtually identical or at least so close that people couldn't be confused as to the source. And that's what she meant by, the judge meant by, thin copyright protection. So she allowed three of the jokes to go to trial, and she threw two of them out. And I have to say that these are very, they're like almost, they're like two-liner jokes. They're not, uh, you know, long, involved jokes. So um, why did she decide to allow, to throw two of them out? Well, at least one case there was electronic evidence that the um, staff writer at the Conan show um, may have actually written the the joke that was used on the television show before it would have been possible for uh, the staff writer to access it uh, on the internet from the plaintiff, and that's the great thing about. Um, uh, e-communications nowadays is that you often have a, a lot of evidence 
that wasn't previously available as to exactly when certain jokes were written or got propagated onto out there. And so you can match up um, whether or not a particular joke was taken after it was written or whether it was independently created um, prior to the uh, plaintiff putting it out there for the rest of the world. So, Terry, doesn't that show that the jokes can be similar enough, especially since they don't have to be identical, that two people can come to the same joke? Absolutely. And the law recognizes the concept of independent creation, that two different people can come up with the uh, same or similar expressions of an idea, because that's what this is all about. It's not the idea of a specific joke that is copyrightable. It's how you express the joke. Now, the one thing the court did not consider here, and I thought they would, is that uh, a, a doctrine in copyright law known as the merger doctrine, which says that sometimes an idea has so few ways of being expressed that it can't be copyrighted in the first place. The chicken crossing the road jokes um, sort of fit into that category. And, and for a couple of these jokes, particularly the Tom Brady joke, I would have thought that um, the court would have held that there were so few ways of expressing um, this particular joke that it shouldn't have been copyrighted in the first place. And there was also a, a, the Washington Monument's shrinkage joke, and that's actually based on a famous joke that was used in the Seinfeld show so many times. It seemed like both of them were taking it from that place. So um, now, how do you—he wants, a mil, at least he initially sued for a million dollars. How can a few jokes be worth that much? I think that's going to be a very hard number to prove up. Um, it, he, he will have to argue that— when he writes these jokes and sells them to comedians, and that's his job, his profession, he has his jokes have been on um, Jay Leno's show apparently over a thousand times. That he makes money that way. That he charges a certain amount for each joke, and he'll have to show that these three jokes he would have charged, but for the fact they were stolen by allegedly stolen by Conan, that he would have charged a million dollars. I think that's impossible to prove. I think what's more likely is that the plaintiff will rely upon uh, Section 504 of the copyright law, which says if you can't prove up the exact value of a copyrighted work, you can claim what's known as statutory damages. And for those, you can get up to $150,000 per copyrighted work. So here there were three jokes, three copyrighted works. Um, it seems to me that the most he could collect is the uh, $450,000. This seems to me like a trial where there should be a settlement before trial begins, but I don't know that Conan O'Brien would want to make any admission by settling. I think that's, that's the problem with this sort of lawsuit. The, the damage is really done when you file the lawsuit and accuse someone of stealing your jokes. Uh, to this day, within the comedy business, that is a real black mark against you, even though many famous comedians over the years have been accused of doing it. Uh, it is a black mark, and you, you almost force the uh, defendant, Conan in this instance, to go into court 
to defend themselves and clear their name, which makes a settlement very challenging. And Conan O'Brien said he was just devastated when he heard about this lawsuit. It's always interesting to talk to you, Terry. You have all the facts and all the behind-the-scenes information. Thanks so much for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Terrence Ross, a partner at Catton Muchen Rosenman. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Thanks to our technical director, Reginald Bazil, and our producer, David Sutcherman. And Carol Masser is here. Carol, very quickly, what's your big topic today? All right, we're going to continue following the president and the market reaction. We're going to start there, June. You'll start there, and, I, and I'm and i sure we're going to start there almost every day for a few days <laughs> to come. All right, this is Bloomberg. Carol Masser and Corey Johnson coming up next.